Hello and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This week we're going to talk about The Mask of the Red Death, the 1964 Roger Corman Vincent Price movie. Um, you can check out our website for more information, www.GoldenAgeHorror.com. So this is The Mask of the Red Death from 1964. That's Mask with a Q-U-E. I think, well, no, I guess this is my second favorite of the Vincent Price Corman movies. What? What's your favorite then? Um... Because I'm looking forward to it. The um, Haunted Palace, or whatever it's called. Okay. I can't get it. It's, it's the one that's... A, is, that also, is that also Poe, or is it just Corman? It's Lovecraft. Price. Okay. It's Charles Dexter Ward. Oh, all right. Uh, but I think that one's a little bit better than this. Uh, actually, I'm not sure if I would say that. Does that one have missing scenes? Does this one? No, the the haunted palace. Oh, from the uh, you mean you're referring to the re- the resurrected? Yeah, or whatever. Um, no, the haunted palace is a complete movie, somewhat. Okay. Actually, I, I would say that they're kind of in parallel. I think the mask of the red death, the strengths of the mask of the red death, are different from the strengths of the haunted palace, and that maybe maybe uh, comparing art is just like a, a senseless exercise. Oh, but what, can we just put them on a the scale, please? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could compare things about them. I guess that's not senseless. But, like, on a scale, which one do you think would have I a higher number? I dislike scales intensely. <laughs> well, what if it was, like, a graph? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah. Which one is the bigger bar? Right. That's that's the thing that bothers me. I think that's kind of foolish. But I, I think also you do because of the way you're, way you're talking right now. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just stupid. It's a good metric if, like, do, enough of the, do a lot of people like these things. But even that doesn't always work. Because sometimes you'll like things that not everyone likes. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't make... I, the only thing, I think the only reason... If you take someone who's rated a ton of movies and then look at their movies they, they've rated and sort of get a sense for what their tastes are. Right, because taste is like... Taste can be really strange. And, and... But I, even, I, even I, I don't even think that's particularly valuable because I'd rather read what they have to say about the movie or whatever yeah. it is and evaluate from or there or listen because, to a podcast of their insights sure because like you can't hear but I'm winking into the microphone it's making a horrible squelching noise but um the cause even then even the um even ha- someone having similar like if list, list of 20 movies on a lot of them you agree with the ratings or whatever or you you'd rate yeah. the similar one you'd, you'd, you like similar movies to them they might like those movies for completely different reasons and then on the, the 21st movie you'd completely disagree yeah you know so I, I mean it's kind of useful in like a metric of like if this movie is rated high enough chances are it has a high enough broad appeal you're thinking like a metacritic kind of situation yeah that kind of thing just you pop you type a movie and it's got your IMDB and your Rotten Tomatoes score see I see that just leads me to I, I don't think that's that the, the taste of the most people is like not valuable at all to me because like I feel like Avatar or whatever would be A plus. Avatar is a weird thing. <laughs> Avatar is not. Avatar is is like the prime example of a movie that just like the most successful movie of all time that nobody even talks about. No, anymore. yeah, it's not like a cultural touchstone in the slightest, other than the fact that everyone's seen it. But apparently, everyone's seen it. But nobody I mean, I didn't it. see it. Did you see it? No. So I, yeah, who the fuck knows. I actually don't, I don't, none of like, no people in my immediate circle of friends have seen Avatar that I can think of. I actually can't name a single person seen Avatar. I, I, I'm sure that like, if I thought back to like who, like, I think I was working at Shaw's at the time or whatever, I'm sure I could look back and be like, oh yeah, like nine of those people saw Avatar. I'm actually, I'm actually starting to think that nobody's actually seen Avatar before. It was just like this weird, 
what, like, social experiment? It just, yeah, <laughs> we're all just pretending we saw it. Okay, that's the Emperor's New Clothes of films. He banked, you know, James Cameron banked rolled it with, like, his Titanic money. Alright, The Mask of the Red Death. The Mask of the Red Death. So this movie is, we'll just run through the plot, as we so often do, senselessly. Um, well, the basic, oh yeah, you can go. You want, you wanted the plot this time? Yeah, can I do a plot right now? Yeah, you do a plot right now. Okay, so Vincent Price is like, he's Prince Prosper, he's kind of a dick. He basically goes into a village as a Red Death, like, burns down the village, but takes three people hostage with him. Like a, like a woman and her lover and her father. Mm-hmm. And then they have a big party, safe from the Red Death in their castle, while he tries, like, to woo this peasant girl. And then, during the party, the Red Death comes and they all die. Well, that was that was very, that was. I cut out the chaff because the chaff is what I want to talk what about. about what most. about Hot Frog? There's, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. You, you love Esmeralda and Hop too. But the point is, in describing that, it's like, oh, then there's, at one point there's a guy in an ape costume at a costume party gets lit on fire in a <laughs> chandelier, like. <laughs> Those are and, these are these are sweet nuggets. These are the whole reason this movie is, is worthwhile. Right, that's what I'm saying, though. But in terms of the plot, that is all covered under the big party. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. I mean, the, the, now, okay, sure. Um, so you brought up a good point uh, in the interim between recordings here that this movie, yeah. like most of these movies, doesn't even make the slightest attempt to approach or acknowledge the Bechtel test. Yeah, which is like, it's not a be-all, end-all for, like, fiction, but, you know, it's something that everything should accomplish, considering life accomplishes it every day without even trying. Right, I mean, unless you're talking about something where, like, there's, like, a reason why there wouldn't be female characters or something like that. Right. Or female characters that interact. Like, I, I don't think, like, you, here, here's, here's like, just to play devil's advocate, it's like, what if the movie is entirely, is mostly from the point of view of, like, like the movie The Wrestler or whatever. Right. Where it's, like, entirely from the point of view of um, The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke's character. Right, in that case, it's because most people are interacting with him, and most people aren't interacting with other people. Yeah. So, I mean, like, in a lot of these movies, it's the true that it's just not just two women are just never on screen at the same time. Because is, is the Bechtel test that a woman has to be on screen talking about something other than a man, or two women have to be talking yeah, about something other than a man? Two women have to be talking to each other. Two women have to appear, I'm pretty sure it's two women have to appear in a movie, talk to each other about something other than a man. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I and I agree that I don't. I don't even disagree with what you're saying. That it's like, it should be like, should not be a. It should not be this rarefied thing. Difficult thing that like so few movies have accomplished. But it is, you know, it is. I mean, and I, I think a lot of these horror movies struggle to have two women in them. Correct. This this movie has two women. It does, but they talk about Prince Prosper all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, he's just like just Ross. He's like sex on a stick, so you just can't. Kick, With a mustache, can't get him out of your mm. mind. I mean, he plays this. If I could get five, if I could get five seconds alone with that man, mm-hmm. he would teach me all about Satan. <laughs> he would. There was a big Satan lean that wasn't in the original story. Yeah, well, that's, well that, yeah, and the original story they was all the... the original story was like an allegory for um, tuberculosis. Yeah, but this and the original story is is fantastic. This the original story is one of my favorite short stories. Um. It's just super impressionistic, and doesn't yeah. like it. Just it's just just like this weird slice of imagery rather than um, 
a story. And a story, and if you if you know, or like, like I, I more like you saw like a thing that is easily translatable to, like the screen. No, it's it's literally like something. It's rather than rather than supposed to um, stimulate your mind uh, in the sense that you're trying to like um, follow a, a plot or empathize with these characters. It's supposed to conjure a very vivid set of images and a very vivid set of feelings in you, which I think is also what this movie does i don't think this movie i think this movie follows that that mask of the red death model in that it's really a visual um like a visceral visual experience that does nothing to do with the larger plot of vincent price trying to corrupt jane asher into satanism or whatever is going on with the red death i mean the red death is just the apocalypse or whatever but well the red death is like the red death yeah he is red and then there's, there's all, and what's with all the color deaths too at the end it's the yellow death you know scarlet fever okay and the and the plague the black death I think they were just playing on that concept that a lot of different diseases are associated with colors okay I like that yeah I, that's that's my assumption I mean there's some great uh so speaking on the on the on the um, the visual elements of this movie, I think there's some great like psychedelic type sequences, sort of like yeah. that sort of define '60s mainstream horror in a way. And '60 and like a lot of a lot of off the beaten path '60s cinema that's like not that intelligent has like these psychedelic dream sequences in it, and uh, there's some great ones in here. Like the shots all the way down through the colored rooms. Yeah, I mean that stuff. That stuff's great. Like that's just it's really fun to watch. It really sort of prefigures Argento's Suspiria with the yeah. strong um, yeah, uniformity of color and all the different uh, sets. It also finds a way to sort of like take that abstract concept of these colored rooms from the story mm-hmm. and like adapt it. Sort of, it's a. Aside from like the weird peasant subplot, it was like, oh, we need to escape from this jail, mm-hmm. and everything, which seems so bizarre and out of place. Why did the Red Death help that peasant boy? I have no idea. He's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. I'll kill all these guards for you. I'm gonna save you. I don't know why. Why did Why did Hop Toad make that guy put himself in a monkey costume and burn him to death? Because he embarrassed his love interest. The Red Death part where they're all like slow dancing. That part's cool, it's cool too. I was talking about the monkey band being burned alive, but oh, that was yeah, that was a good part. But um, yeah, this the this, the ending too is excellent. Where like it becomes this like like fucked up avant garde like dance sequence, and uh, everyone's like got red splattered all over their face, and they're doing these weird like angular dance moves. And of course, Vincent Price thinks he's going to survive because he's pledged allegiance to Satan. But Satan, but the Red Death comes for everyone. The Red Death has nothing to do with, as it turns out, the Red Death is not Satan. The Red Death is simply a disease, like a death elemental or whatever. Yeah, yeah, a disease. And it, it, the point is that I mean, the the point being, the Red Death is, doesn't care what you worship. Yeah. He's he's killing you, no matter what, or who you are, or anything about you. Which I think is a great, a great like sort of nihilistic cosmic horror bit, you know? Yeah, you know that that there. That, Death comes for everyone. Death comes for everyone, and there is no the the 
we us projecting our um, you know our values on abstract concepts like death, life, evil, and good is is a meaningless game. But um, yeah. So I like the I like the Mask of the Red Death a lot. I do too. This movie, like the extras, the extras are on point in this movie. They're just like killing it in those parties. What about yeah, like when when he makes them like be pigs and stuff like that? Yeah, that's just like, just like everyone. Sometimes like it almost feels like it's like weird improv. It's like this lady's like laughing up a storm, and he's like, "Yeah, you do something." Yeah, I mean, probably it was a lot largely improvised. I mean. It feels very organic. It feels very net. Like the party feels very natural. I'm sure Corman or whatever was just like, "All right, now you guys have a good time over there," and then just kind of went from there. And just like they're always very like attentive in those seats. Like they they're just they're just good. They're they're good background for something. For some of these movies, sometimes feel very stiff mm-hmm. and awkward. Mm-hmm. They feel very nat. It feels very naturalistic in this one. Like these people are here and enjoying, actually enjoying this party, and think they're immune to death. Yeah, which is like, yeah, which is pretty faithful to the Edgar Allan Poe story as well. Because as I recall, that was kind of like one of the tenets of the story. Yeah, because you know he holed up all the wealthy elite in his castle, who and they were totally unassailable. You know, yeah, they were locked up away from the sick peasants. They know the Red Death could open doors. Literally. Hell yeah. Yeah, so, Mask of the Red Death. A plus. I also... Who's that guy who's like... who The guy in the monkey suit. Yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. I don't know. I really like that part where the, those two guys are dueling. And like the poison activates in five seconds. And they, those, <laughs> they just keep saying five seconds back and forth. Yeah. Every time they pick up a new knife, and once she's just like five seconds, he like licks his lips. Yeah, like he's really getting into yeah. it. Yeah, it's such a good, it's such a good scene. <laughs> and then he's like, "I'm gonna get you, Prosper," and he just stabs him. They're just like good. Vincent Price plays the villain in a lot of his movies, yeah. and he plays a good villain. I think. Oh, he definitely he's definitely better as a villain as a hero. I mean, I, I don't know if that's true. I, I think I've only ever seen him really as the villain. And, uh, he's not the villain in The Fly. He's not strictly the villain in Pit and the Pendulum. No, I guess the real villain is the Pendulum, but... No. Ha ha ha. No, the real... The Pendulum kills it, you know? The, I, <laughs> it the, brings it a game. Yeah. No, the real villain, I guess, is the, is the adulterous couple in that one, but he... I mean, he does a good job as... Uh, he plays his own father in that one, doesn't he? Yeah. The pin the pendulum. That guy's pretty villainous. And this one, he plays also the Red Death, sort of. Because he takes off his mask and it's him. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of the end of The Prisoner, where he rips off number one's mask and it's just Patrick McGowan. Yeah. Actually, the movie does kind of have a similar vibe. I don't know what... That kind of like... When was, that weird psychedelia vibe. Yeah, when was The Prisoner made? The 60s, I yeah. believe. I, yeah, I, know was, I didn't know if it was like the same year or if it was like, like almost the 70s, The Prisoner, but... um. Yeah, I mean, the set design's similar, the acting is similar, because of the, just because of the time period. And it's also got those psychedelic freak-out moments like this movie. And it's, it's like, overwrought allegorical. Right, yeah, it's like, 
there are metaphors as far as the eye can yeah. see. Yeah. Which is weird. Which is like I like seeing things like that, like non literal things within I guess very literal mediums. Mm-hmm. Because, like, film is a, in, a, is a very literal medium. Yeah, it's just a different approach than sort of, like, what ended up winning out in the late 60s was, like, the, the naturalistic modern cinema, which isn't, like, right. isn't prone to this kind of thing. And I think in a lot of ways it's because this is really easy to do this type of cinema, like, very poorly. Oh, absolutely. Because, or, or just, like, do it well and still miss the point. Yeah. And still yeah. miss your audience. It's why you know a lot. It's why the modern, per- the average individual is not sitting around reading poetry, right? Right. Which is probably one of the most like abstract versions of that because it's like it's cl- clearly doesn't need to be a story mm. in this like accepted format. So it's the most it lends itself most to non-literal storytelling. Mm. So yeah. Um. Yes. That's all I got. Oh, that's all you got. I thought, I thought you were like building up to a point. No, I mean we covered the. I think we covered the reasons why I like this movie. Yeah. And. and uh, it's like one. Of, it is one of my. It's like I would put this in my top five horror movies for sure. Um, it's definitely probably the, one of the best ones. One of my favorite ones that I've watched. Yep. Of all of these. I mean, this is like, I would put this in my good and pile. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my I would say my top five probably changes quite a bit, but. I'm very bad at making top lists. Yeah. Know? Right. Yeah, I and I'm just now reading the Wikipedia article, and it says this movie was not as successful as the other Poe pictures. Oh, which really? Sam Arkoff attributed to being too arty farty and not scary enough. <laughs> Who's Sam Arkoff? I have no idea. I got, I'm assuming a movie critic. Too arty. Could you imagine? That seems like. Oof. Writing that. Too, it's too arty farty for my taste. I mean. More farts, less arts, please. It could also be like a. Uh, a freaking. Um, like some kind of industry person. Oh yeah, like, a, like some kind of producer. Or something. Hey, he's a producer. Samuel Zachary Arkoff was an American producer of B movies. Made the Abominable Do- Abominable Doctor Fives, a bunch of beach movies, uh, the Amityville Horror. Seems like an interesting guy. Smoking smoking cigars, a lot of pictures of him. But he seemed so. But he's more like a workman kind of guy. Like I like, I make B movies. I make movies on a budget. Yeah, I mean he he probably would look at this and be like, you know. It's too arty farty. No money here. It's too arty farty. Why, why? No money here, bah. Why are we spending so like, much time? What, what's what's going on at the end there, where the all the guys in costumes are playing chess? Like, why? Why is that there? Shouldn't it be? What's going on? Shouldn't it be like? Hey, Vincent getting stabbed at the end by the peasant guy, and then everybody runs away. Yeah, I think the peasant guy never quite got his revenge. I don't get it. Vincent Price killed himself. Vincent Price is two people. It's confusing. It doesn't make no sense. It can only be one Vincent Price. Yeah, he's like a highlighter. Why is he playing chess with a little girl? Why isn't he? Why is that little girl not dead? Your movie's inconsistent. 
Ah, nah. You just chopped at the cigar. What you, what you need is more kills, more scares, more spooks. You put a Nicolini in a bathtub. I like that one. Halfway there. So I guess that's it. Yeah, that guy's name is uh, Patrick McGee. He's the one who plays. Who's Patrick McGee? He's uh, Five Seconds. Oh, okay. And he's been in a bunch of stuff. Like, I've seen it. He was in um, the Tales from the Crypt from the 70s. All right. I think he might have been in... I feel like he was in Richard Third, But that could be wrong. But, um... I don't know what that that's is. It's like the, um... No, I guess not, because I don't see it on this, on this uh, Wikipedia page. But he was in he was in The Mask of the Red Death. He was in Die, Monster, Die, which we might watch at some point. He was in, uh, like I said, Tales from the Crypt. He was in the the, um, the Jerry Cornelius adaptation, The Final Program. So, yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. He was in, he was okay. in Barry Lyndon. The, uh, Wait, what is that? Uh, Barry Lyndon is the Kubrick movie. Oh, okay, okay. Which I have never seen, but... Looks, I haven't looks, either, but I knew its name. It's pretty cool. Um, is that the one where it's like a black and white thing? It's like a picture of a guy? Uh, the With post, like little cutout pieces? The poster is black and white. But the movie is... What's the poster look like? I'm looking at the poster. It's like a guy, but like an abstract form of a man. Yeah, it's a guy with high boots but and a like, pistol. And it's like... Uh, but it's art. like there are pieces cut away, like white lines through yep. it, a bunch. Yep, and that, okay. that 60s style, and he's stepping on a, a rose, and the only color is the rose petals. Yeah, okay, so I know what that poster looks like. Um, yeah, so that's a movie I'd like to see at some point, but it will not be a movie that gets talked about in this podcast because it has nothing to do with horror. Unless you just make another podcast. Unless I make another podcast, but I probably won't. Just keep making podcasts. I like making podcasts, know? but... Don't like that at them, you know? I don't no, I don't like to edit them, and um, I just think it's a little too broad of a topic to be like movies. I like podcasts, <laughs> but I like this movie podcast. Yeah. I gotta see who. I mean that that's like what's the point of that podcast? I guess you know like what's the point of anything? You know, death comes for us all. It's beautiful, Vincent. Thank you. All right, so I'm gonna uh, turn off this. The outro. Oh, my outro. Thanks for listening to the Mask of the Red Death on the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. You can visit our website, www.goldenagehorror.com, for more information, articles, and show notes. My first ebook is out on Amazon. It's called All God This Here. If you liked this podcast, feel free to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. That would be very generous of you to do so. If you don't want to miss an episode, you can join the mailing list at our website, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodthisheer. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at the Water Method and Andrews at Pizza Pranks. Pizza Pranks. The website is pizzapranks.com. Our theme music is the Swan Lake Dub by Devology. Next week we'll talk. Next week we're probably going to talk about. I believe the next is the next film. Uh, Fall of the House of Usher. Let's say it's Fall of the House of Usher. Thanks for listening. www.goldenhour.com. Oh, but you're a perfect